Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the kickoff. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the fantasy football mastermind edge. The definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Nazareth, has several decades of fantasy football experience. His website, ffmastermind.com, offers comprehensive fantasy football information, including a preseason drafting strategy guide and weekly in-season fantasy football newsletters. The Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge offers fantasy football picks to click and play. The latest NFL news and much, much more each week during the fantasy football season. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. You lose! Good day, sir! Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazareth. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 30th. Oh, my gosh, we're one week and one day away from when the real games begin. The preseason is over. And the Turk visited yesterday, cut about 3,000-plus NFL players, well, wannabe NFL players. Some of them are going to find jobs. Some of them will go back to delivering Amazon products, I guess. Anyway, my name is Michael Masryk. I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, my very good friend and very experienced fantasy writer and player extraordinaire, <laughs> Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Really well, really well. About 3,000, guys. It, just, it really puts it into perspective. You don't think of it being that many, but, you know, 40 or 50 per team, it just it really adds up. And it's and, you know, go back to stock shelves. You know, remember Kurt Warner was stocking shelves in a grocery store, too, and he's in the Hall of Fame now. So, you know, you know don't give up your dream, guys, if you're out there listening. You never know. I, I saw on Twitter yesterday Juwan Johnson, the, tight, the emerging tight end there for the Saints, uh, he had a timely tweet. He said, uh, guys, I was cut the first year I was in the NFL. And so there you go. You don't give up on your dream. Anyway, uh, lots to talk about. All, of course, uh, all the teams went from 93 down to 53 yesterday, and now they're jockeying and making some last-minute waiver moves and all. But the big news yesterday was Mr. John Taylor right there in your part of the country in Indianapolis. Chris Ballard talked on it today. He is not only not going to be traded, but he is not coming off the pup list. He's out four-plus games. The question is, is this is he really injured? Does he just not want to play? They're going to trade him at the end of the four weeks? Are they going to what's going on there, Chris? And uh, What's the fantasy impact? Well, Chris Ballard in his press conference that weekend, it was just about an hour and a half ago. He uh, he did he did not say he wouldn't be traded. He said he's not he was not traded by the deadline to to make a decision on pup. So so I, I don't think he's ruling it out, but he definitely doesn't want to without significant return. He really likes him and he values him. So, but from a fantasy perspective, this is where it gets interesting because you know his his value is dropping as it has been all summer with this. I was in two drafts last weekend and he was available at the middle of the fourth round in both drafts. And I thought, you know, in the middle of the fourth round, that's worth it. Even if he misses four games. Now the question is, is he only going to miss four games? And uh, you got to decide, is that worth it for you? Depending on how the rest of your roster is built. I think if, if, if you're going to get him in like the fourth, fifth round, you almost have to follow with running back three, the next round, right away just to make sure that you still have a good number two 
at least while he's out, if not potentially uh, into the season. The, the thing is he, he can't sit the season out because he loses that, that accrued year, and he can also be tagged twice. But if he's hurt and still on pup through six weeks uh, and doesn't play this year, then, then the year told, counts anyway. So I can almost see him saying he's still hurt for two more weeks, getting to that six-week mark, and then kind of forcing their hand because then he gets a little bit of the leverage back that he doesn't have. It's a mess right now, and the, they don't really have another good running back on their roster. We're going to talk a little bit about the backups later on. But this, this is really a mess right now, and it's not a great situation for that whole offense, which was already going to be a little bit questionable to start with. Yeah, it's interesting to see what the ADP is going to settle on. Uh, I can tell you yesterday in a uh, Fantasy Pros uh, Championship uh, draft, which is a $350 league, it's backed by the FFPC, myffpc.com, the sponsors of our show, and, of course, they run the main event here in Vegas. I've not seen a result of the FFPC main event draft yet uh, because uh, they just haven't covered them on YouTube and all, but there was the Fantasy Pros there, and uh, Jonathan Taylor went as RB3 to a certain team at the start of round six. So I, I would not touch hmm. him in the first five rounds only because I don't believe that he's uh, necessarily going to play in week five. Uh, and uh, also I saw in round 13, Zach Moss and Deion Jackson went back-to-back to different teams in the draft, uh, and one of them, the second one, Deion J- Jackson, went to the Jonathan Taylor uh, drafter in the draft. So that's my first indication of ADP there. If you're looking at uh, Jonathan Taylor, you want to take that risk. You can probably wait wait until about the sixth round to get him. Um, and if you want to, uh, you know, put dip your toe into the backups, then you're probably looking in round 13. This is a PPR 12-team draft. So anyway, I'd be willing we'll to talk back, more. I'd be willing to bet those those backup running backs, their ADP starts to go up in, over the next week, though. So you might not be able to wait till round 13. You might have to Yeah, 13, 13, that was the first indication there. You're right on there. It just depends. I mean, uh, you know, especially uh, Zach Moss. I think there's a, some some question mark about whether Zach Moss is healthy. If Zach Moss is, is, uh, is healthy and practices, uh, you know, gets in, in practice next Wednesday, then I think that his ADP is going to rise sharply there. Uh, right now, it's kind of a, a pick em. Uh We'll see what happens and all. Uh, by the way, there was some good news uh, since last week's show. John, Josh Jacobs did uh, report and did sign a franchise tender uh, that was negotiated up a little bit. He got about $12 million there with some little bit of incentives there to play for the Raiders, so he's good. Fantasy thoughts, uh, uh, Chris. Uh, Josh Jacobs, is he a second or third round pick now because he signed? Absolutely. I mean, he was still going in the second round even when he wasn't signed in most leagues that I saw. He was going late second round. So uh, I, I've actually – in one, I was in one of the 10-team leagues I was in last weekend. He went near the end of the first round, which surprised me. I think that's a little high just based on some of the other players that should have been there. But uh, he's absolutely a second-round pick. He's an RB1, in my opinion. Yeah, last week he was still going uh, early third in uh, some of the FFPC drafts as well as the Fantasy Pros drafts. But I, I agree. The ADP is moving up. I think he's late second now. He'll probably er, uh, eventually settle somewhere in the, in the early to mid-second round. you got guys like Chubb and Barkley and Pollard and Henry all in the early to mid-second uh, round area. So he, he deserves to be in that group with them. And, of course, there's a void now because Jonathan Taylor was, uh, you know, in the late second, uh, early third and all. And he was just starting to slide. Now he's just, uh, you know, bottomed out there. Anyway, uh, a couple other news items here. I'm just going to ru- quickly run through this. First 
of all, Kareem Hunt is still waiting for a job. He's gotten some offers from certain teams, but nothing to his liking. So he says he's waiting for the right offer. That means that I'm not just going to play for, you know, a million, million and a half, two million or whatever on just any old team. If he's going to take a little bit less money, it's going to be on a really good team. And, uh, you know, otherwise he's going to wait to see if he can get four or five, six million. I don't think he will, but we'll see. I think Leonard, Leonard Fournette has been very quiet on that on the, playoff Lenny's uh, f- front, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he signed somewhere here now that the final cuts have been made and that they can sign him and not have to guarantee some kind of money, or obviously with these guys are going to have to guarantee some kind of money for them to get them, but, you know, there's not such a commitment there. Whole bunch of kicker moves, and I'm going to go over this real quick here, just in case you guys wanted to fill out the rest of your. <laughs> I just found it very interesting. They had two t- uh, kicker trades on cut day. The Patriots traded him to Nick Falk. Chad Ryland, uh, the rookie, is the new Patriots kicker. Who they trade him to? The Titans. So Nick Falk's going to get first shot at being the Titans kicker. The Saints uh, traded my boy, Will Lutz, a uh, favorite of uh, Mastermind Services back when uh, Drew Brees was still playing and Sean Payton was there. And Payton acquired him from the Broncos, so Will Lutz is going to be the Broncos' new kicker. Blake Group is going to be the Saints' new kicker, and it was interesting. Lutz's agent said, hey, they cut the wrong kicker. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. A lot of sour grapes there. But uh, anyway, as a result, the Broncos did cut Brett Maher. Now, Brett Maher was just signed to the Rams practice squad. They don't have a kicker. So I guess if he impresses, they'll uh, promote him, and he'll kick in week one. Dustin Hopkins was traded to the Browns from the Chargers, and Cade York was released. So Dustin Hopkins is your new current kicker for the Browns. And that means Cameron Dicker won the job in uh, Los Angeles for the Chargers. One final note, Dallas kicker, who knows? I uh, They got a bunch of unknowns there, and they're still going to be battling out, I guess, next week. And if need be, they might pick somebody up off the waiver. Poor Michael Badgley has been tra- uh, traded around and, and cut and signed uh, three different teams of, of the, the group that I just mentioned. He's, he's uh, available. So who knows, Michael Badgley might be the Dallas kicker. Anyway, right to the injury. We're going to go over the key injury. I know So good news on Joe Burrow with a calf injury. He returned to practice today, Wednesday, yes, a full week before the official injury reports come out and practices for week one begin, so that's good there. Kyler Murray in Arizona, torn ACL. I told you guys he's not going to play early in the year. That's right. He's staying on the pup. He's had at least four games. I wouldn't be surprised if he sits at least half the season. We'll see. Uh, get a, kind of a tanking feeling, feeling there from Arizona. Dalvin Cook with his shoulder, uh, he, he returned to practice for the Jets, his first official practice and all. He said he's ready to rock and roll there. Devon Atchain, uh the rookie for the Dolphins, he returned to practice with that shoulder injury. He'll play probably in a minor role in week one if he does. They got uh, Raheem Mostert and uh, Russ, uh, Jeff Wilson, Jr. We'll see if his injury reheals. We're no worried on that yet. Mike Evans down in Tampa is dealing with a groin injury but, uh, issue, but he should be okay for week one, according to head coach Todd Bowles. We'll see if he practices next week. Jerry Jeter with that hamstring injury, he was not placed on IR, which means he has an outside chance of playing week one. Probably you see him in week two or three. Jackson Smith, Najigba, wrist injury, returned to practice shockingly yesterday, uh, catching passes with a cast. So he could play in week one, but you know they might use him limited or they just wait for week two or three. Apparently, uh, some of the fantasy doctors out there, and there are some things called fantasy doctors on Twitter uh, and on YouTube, and they're saying that he'll probably have to wear some kind of soft wrist cast uh, to promote healing two, three, four weeks into the season, but he can still play with something like that. Jalen Waddell, the Dolphins are being very careful here. He's got a side injury, kind of a you know a possible oblique. Their team is still being cautious. He should be go, good to go by week one, but uh, obviously we'll see what happens next week when they hit practices. Traylon Burst of the leg return to practice for the Titans. 
He's good. Actually, it's his knee injury there. JD, uh, uh, DJ Chark, hamstring injury for, uh, for the Panthers. He's, uh, they're optimistic that he'll play in week one. And we'll be right back after this important message. You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with assistance from the definitive fantasy football information service, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com. There's plenty of free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. Co-founder and CEO Michael Nazarek has several decades of experience, including winning four consecutive SI.com Experts League Championships, along with tens of thousands of dollars playing in the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy football content updated daily, which give you the edge you need to legitimately claim championship. Championship! Read Drafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. Okay, we want to remind everyone about our sponsor, MyFFPC.com. This is the Players Fantasy Football Players Championship. Their main events, 2,000 to enter, uh, 1,600 for additional teams. The chance to uh, win a million dollars is significant. They pay out very promptly. Uh, I've won, I think, five uh, league titles over the last nine years, uh, almost $40,000. It's serious stuff, but it's really a lot of fun. And we're drafting down here at Planet Hollywood. I'll be down there next Friday drafting at 6 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, So maybe uh, somebody joins and and flies out here and drafts, and we uh, we meet you down there on the strip. Anyway, they also have other leagues. their best ball tournament's only $125 to enter, uh, so it's a best ball slim format. You're drafting 20, 20 rounds, no kicker, no defense, and a chance to win 200000 in best of all because it's best ball. You don't have to manage the team, so it's draft and then go. Uh, they have other uh, contests, too, and other leagues as cheap as $35. And, of course, uh, please uh, go to our site, ffmastermind.com. Check out all the good free stuff there, including our NFL Quick Bits feature and, of course, our free INSCI scouting reports, of which – um, Chris Rito happens to write for our, our, the Colts, uh, and we'll be releasing week one's preview reports next week on the site. And, of course, for our premium customers, our master's list, customizable cheat sheet, our MCP board, and our executive draft master software have been updated. Version 6 of the preseason draft guide was released last Friday. One more update coming this Friday. 26 articles in it, 517 pages of light reading. Yes, all the strategies and, and sleepers and creepers. We updated that feature last week. Uh, and updated the Mastermind Draft Plan too. The, the price of the guide is only 19.95. Our premium summer rates Pro Bowl package, which is our guide, all the ranking updates, all the newsletters during the season, it's 49.95. Super Bowl package is everything of that, including our uh, drafting software, 59.95. And please follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. All right, let's get to the sleepers and creepers. This is the most popular show of the summer. People want to hear, uh, who am I going to target later in my draft or mid-rounds, and who should I avoid? Uh, Chris, give me a couple of quarterback sleepers uh, for you this year in 2023. Uh, you know, a guy barely being drafted is Baker Mayfield. Um, he's got a lot to prove. He tends to play well with a chip on his shoulder, and knowing he's kicked around recently kind of plays you with emotional strength. He's got a few things that I think has his stock rising above his ADP, and that starts with the weapons at his disposal. Uh, the best of his career, including one of the premier young receiving running backs, and two premium wide receivers in Evans and Godwin. 
He, I think he also makes a great late-round pickup because he has very good plus matchups on the biggest quarterback bye weeks, as you will note if you read my wonderful Magic Handcuffs article that posted last week. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. uh, Kyler, Murray, Kyler Murray is another guy I like late in the draft. Um, I, I know he's going to be out for at least four weeks. That's a given. But he was a top-notch fantasy quarterback before D-Hop, with D-Hop, and I think he will be after D-Hop. Um, he's a great lottery ticket pick late in your draft because – you know, they say he was having a bad year last year when he got hurt, but he was number five in points per game amongst quarterbacks, and he has been in the top five for four straight years. So even if he's delayed starting the season, as long as he's back under center during those heavy bye weeks, which don't start until week five, he should definitely pay returns on a quarterback number 25 pick or later. Okay. A couple of guys I like this week, and these are the guys that you can get later as fantasy backups, and they could actually produce as a fantasy starter. Jordan Love has really uh, surprised me. I didn't know that uh, that he was <laughs> this good of what I've seen in preseason practice, and apparently he's been throwing well and targeting the, all his, his guys in the practices too. His ADP is currently in the 15th, 16th round area, so you can wait uh, and draft him as a backup, even as a late backup, and still, I think, good, good, good value. And if you need him, of course, during the bye weeks, I think he will come through for you. Another guy that has really stepped up, and, and, and he didn't do much in the offseason because he was injured, recovering from that elbow injury, was Brock Purdy in San Francisco. The, he not only won the job, but basically forced the 49ers' hands to trade Trey Lance to, to Dallas. And the good thing about Purdy is that you can get him anywhere from the 15th to the 18th round area. High stakes leagues, he's going in the 15th round right now. So people kind of uptick on that, on him on that. But you got all those weapons there, Debo Samuel and uh, Brandon Ayuk and uh, George Kittle and CMC. Uh, as long as Mike Brock Purdy stays healthy, he should be a solid backup with uh, with uh, possible upside potential to be a fantasy starter if you need him and you're, you're number one, like Dak gets injured again or something like that. Uh, my quarterback creepers, uh, a couple of guys that are well-known, Russell Wilson, Yes, he played a little bit better last year. They got a new coach and Sean Payton and all. But the bottom line there is that I think he's just not the quarterback that he once was. He's probably going to play a little bit better. But you got other guys like Brock Purdy and Jordan Love and all that you can actually draft in that area or maybe even a little bit later. And Russell Wilson's going to go off the board as a fantasy backup maybe in around 12, 13, 14, something like that. And I just think that why do that when you can take somebody younger with more upside potential? Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for, for the Raiders, he's a good quarterback, but you know he's more of a game manager. Uh, yes, he does have Devontae Adams there, but uh, you know he's never been able to stay healthy the entire season uh they've got that uh, rookie o'connell there so you know if something happens to garoppolo uh you know he might get molly pipped again i I don't know but all i know is that why draft somebody like garoppolo or wilson when you can get somebody like love or purdy in the same area there uh chris how about a couple of creepers for you at quarterback a couple of guys with hall of fame credentials that are not so much on the downside but they're being overdrafted in my opinion uh matt stafford one of my favorite players and quarterbacks of the last 15 to 20 years but I, I just can't find a way to put him into my top 20 quarterbacks. He's got zero upside and an increasing injury risk every year. Uh, after Cooper Cup, he's got very little to throw to, and he offers no, no rushing prospects or very little. Around his ADP, like you were saying, I'd rather have a guy like Purdy on a better offense or even with uh, Russell Wilson with a chance of an upside with Sean Payton. So I just don't think he's worth the risk. And I know this almost sounds like heresy, but I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers. Um, I think he'll be just fine as a backup quarterback but he's being drafted consistently as a high-end two or even a low-end one in many leagues, and that's being drafted at his ceiling and on name value. And I just think he's going to be asked to do something very different than how he threw it around in Green Bay during his recent MVP season. The team's got a great defense. There'll be no shootouts. There's a bevy of backfield options, Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, even Michael Carter. 
He does have an ascending star at receiver, but he also has aging longtime colleagues from Green Bay playing major roles that are not explosive. I think he's going to be great for the Jets NFL-wise, but just adequate for fantasy. So someone else is probably going to draft him before I do. Okay. How about a couple of running back sleepers you like this year? Uh, you know, I think Zach Moss is being really underappreciated. Um, uh, people have been jumping on Deion Jackson and even Kenyon Drake before he got cut late in drafts. And Kareem Hunt as a potential guy there, despite not even being on the roster. But it's, it's Moss that it really is indisputed running back number two in Indy. He's got blind shares of the carries in Taylor's absence down the stretch last year. He's been forgotten due to that broken arm in camp. He is expected to be back right at the start of the season, and I'm convinced he's going to retain his role at that time. So any injury or delay to JT, you know, which he already has at least four weeks, uh, is going to make this pick worth a ton more than the late rounder he should. Um, he's not much of a pass catcher, though, so in PPR value, it's tied to touchdowns and volume, and in PPRs, Deion Jackson might slip in there as well. And then I like Dante Foreman. Um, he's being drafted outside of the top 60 running backs, and he could be at least flex-worthy in, in any scoring system and not just an insurance policy for Khalil Herbert. Um, he, does, uh, he does make a good insurance policy, and he showed himself capable of carrying the load. He was a low-end RB1 last year, fourth in the NFL in rushing and touches during those weeks after McCaffrey was traded for a mediocre to, to poor offensive line. Um, there are other guys that might have higher potential in his ADP range, but they all require some kind of injury ahead of them to have a shot at significant touches. Foreman has a clearer path towards at least a timeshare and a goal line back. So I, I, I like him based on where his ADP is right now. Okay. Uh, a couple of guys in the middle rounds you might want to consider for sleepers at running back for me. Uh, Jamal Williams, everyone knows he ran for, what, 17, 18 scores for the Lions last year. He's not going to get that many for the Saints, but how, uh, however, he will – probably see most of the goal line carries there especially in the first three weeks when there's no Alvin Kamara he's his ADP is eight nine or ten right now and that's a fairly good value another guy uh, Jalen Warren who's flashed certainly in camp and in preseason uh for the Steelers uh, some people think that he might eventually take that job well the ADP is still nine to thirteen in the high states league uptick that people are grabbing him in the ninth tenth round and all but uh and locally he might slip to around 12 or 13 for you there uh, I tell you one thing, if I'm drafting Najee Harris, I'm definitely drafting Jalen Warren to protect my uh, asset there. Um, a couple of guys that I'm not crazy about, I've just beat the drum to death on Travis Etienne because uh, they uh, they used him not even in a workhorse role last year, and they don't want to use him any more than this year now. He's just coming off a game where he scored, so, oh, he's going to be the RB1 and have a workhorse. No, no, he's not. Tank Bigsby there is going to get a lot of carries. And the fact that his ADP, I think, is in the fourth round right now is, is ridiculously high, so I'm avoiding him. And then Brees Hall. I love the talent of a healthy Brees Hall right before he got injured when it's a torn ACL. So Dalvin Cook's going to be leaned on by the Jets early in the season. We don't even know when Brees Hall is going to actually play. He might play a little bit here and there. Uh, you know, he's still experiencing a little bit of pain in that knee. So, you know, until things sound a little bit better, uh, you know, if you draft him, uh, you know, unfortunately he's still being drafted in like round five or six. That's too high for somebody so iffy. He might not play. And if, you know, if he was, if he will play, whenever he will play, uh, he's going to be in RBBC with Dalvin Cook. So a no-go for me. How about you, uh, uh, Chris? A couple of creepers at running back. Yeah, I also want to quickly remind the listeners out there that these are different from all the ones we talked about in our positional uh, podcast for the last four weeks. So if you want to get some additional creepers and sleepers, you should go back and listen to those again as well. So a uh, couple of guys that I think are being overdrafted. I'll start with Brian Robinson. Um, he's generally perceived as the early down banger for Eric Bieniemy's new offense with, with Gibson as the PPR darling. 
But the camp usage and the preseason usage goes against that totally. They're definitely splitting snaps and not splitting duties. So this could give Robinson an uptick in receptions, but it's going to take away a fair amount of his high-value goal line work as well. So without the likelihood of big plays like the Speedy or Gibson, I think Robinson needs to rely on that volume for success. I just don't think he's going to get it. Uh, He's being drafted as a high-end number three in PPR, and I think he's got a better chance to disappoint than to exceed those expectations. And then I'm not real keen on Isaiah Pacheco at his current ADP. I mean, he's one of the angriest runners in the NFL since Marshawn was in the league. And I saw him playing in a high-octane offense. They've been drafting him as an RB2 all summer. But there's just not enough emphasis and opportunity in the running game for him to get the volume he needs to justify that draft capital. And that pie is going to get split with Jarek McKinnon, at least. I would also not totally rule out early down carries by CEH as well. I mean, he was more effective and PPR productive before his injury than Pacheco was once he took over. Reed is known for having a very short chain with running backs as well. So any hint of mediocre effectiveness probably has him losing even more snaps without any delay. Okay, how about a couple of sleeper wide receivers for you? Uh, I've been banging the drum for Nico Collins all, all uh, summer. I've drafted him in a lot of leagues as, an RB, as a wide receiver six. Someone's got to catch the ball for every team, even the one-week passing game. Even the tight Texans' low-end passing attack threw for over 3,300 yards last year, and the other five of the top six receivers from last year are all no longer on the team. He sits atop a very weak depth chart at receiver. The gap between him and everyone else is huge. And he and Stroud are really connected downfield a lot in camp. He's clearly the major target in the near red zone. He's the kind of guy that's going to very sneakily put up wide receiver three numbers, probably top out near 1,000 yards if healthy, while toiling on a nondescript offense. You can get him around wide receiver 70 in the 14th round. So I like him for value. And then Michael Thomas. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. What is it if you get fooled four times? I mean, after three straight years of injury, <laughs> fantasy, fantasy drafters have probably given up on him. And maybe they should. But I always say that every player has value at the right draft spot. And his ADP has dropped so far that he's starting to become a bargain. Quite simply, his price is so low that the possible reward outweighs his risk, even if he's a shadow of his 2019 self. Last year, after a two-year layoff, he looked like a superstar for two and a half weeks before getting hurt. He was putting up Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase kind of number, three touchdowns, 22 targets in two and a half games. So with a veteran quarterback throwing the ball, and actually, this is important, seeing number two coverage instead of number one coverage for the first time in his career could make him produce like a, a wide receiver two that you can get for wide receiver five prices. Okay. Uh, believe it or not, it's sleeper for wide receiver. I'm going to give a couple of guys that are uh, before round 10 and then a couple of late round guys uh, been beating a drum for, for us premium subscribers. Yahan Dotson, uh, ADP of seven. Uh, it's a, it is climbing because of Terry McLaurin's injury. In fact, uh, in some drafts, Dotson now is going ahead of McLaurin, but uh, in a local draft, probably not. Uh, well, uh, McLaurin's un, very uncertain with that turf, turf toe injury to play in week one, and it could linger. Dawson's healthy. He could very easily be the WR1 uh, for Sam Howell there in Washington. So I think it's a value pick there. Uh, avoid McLaurin and, and draft Dawson. And same goes for Cortland Sutton in ADP of eight. It's gone up from nine to eight because Jerry Duty has sunk from three or four down to five or six. That's still ridiculously high for uh, an unproven uh, receiver like Judy that has not been able to stay healthy. He's got all the talent in the world. I'm sure uh, Judy is more talented than Sutton, but Sutton is healthy, and also he's getting most of the targets from Russell Wilson and practices and such, so I would rather have Sutton in round eight. And a couple of late late round guys, um, a lot of the media folks think that Juju Smith-Schuster is not going to be the number one wide receiver in New England. That's Devonta Parker. 
Well, Parker has always been known to flash and make big plays and such, but can't stay healthy. Well, if he stays healthy, he could be the number one. And guess what? He's going in around 17, 18, 19, 20 of, of certain people's drafts, and he's definitely worth a pick because he is stuck and he is a starter for that team. Another guy in the very end of your draft, Justin Ross, my deep sleeper of the year, uh, did make the final cut for the Chiefs. It's a crowded um, wide receiver core there. However, you got Rasheed Weiss, uh, who is a rookie and has been dropping passes and all. Um, we know that Kadarius Toney is still fighting back from his knee surgery. Uh, Justin Ross is going to have a role in this team, and if he starts making plays, guess what? He's going to start playing more and more and more, and you can get him real late, hold on to him. You have, probably have to hold on to him for uh, three or four weeks to see what happens, but uh, you know, all it takes is one big play, and he'll earn some time there. I like him there. A couple of creepers, I just mentioned them. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I just don't see it as a number one. He wasn't, couldn't be a number one when Antonio Brown left in, in Pittsburgh, and uh, I just don't uh, see it. Uh, he's not a target of mine. I'm just ignoring it. And Debo Samuel, love the talent, but just use him uh, sporadically. Uh, when C- it's a CMC game, Debo doesn't get any runs. Uh, also, he can catch three or four passes if he doesn't break one for a score. Uh, you know, Ayuk or Kittle can make big plays there. I just think it's too uh, risky to spend a fourth rounder on Debo Samuel. How about you, Chris? A couple of creepers at running at uh, wide receiver that uh, you don't care for this year. Yeah, Traylon Burks is being overdrafted. He's been going at the low end three in some league, believe it or not. And I wouldn't touch him even as a five in a redraft league or even a number six in a PPR redraft. He's just in a terrible situation for opportunity. What minimal chances are there for Titans receivers are going to be funneled through DeAndre Hopkins first, second, and third. Um, he has looked better this year in camp, which is a low bar after last year, but uh, he's not played in preseason. He's currently nursing a multi-week uh, LCL injury. Uh, I just think that Vrabel has a history of not playing wide receivers, young guys, until they prove themselves, which he hasn't really yet, and he's not stayed healthy, so he's not going to post value for where he's going in drafts. And then Jordan Addison, great talent, definitely the heir apparent to Thielen as, as J.J.'s running mate. I just wonder if there's really a path to PPR value right out of the gate as a rookie. Um, there's, there's the biggest target hog in the NFL in Justin Jefferson, as well as T.J. Hawkinson. And let's not forget K.J. Osborne still exists and has been a productive member of this offense as a part-timer for several years. He's not going to go away. So Addison's going to make some big plays, great dynasty ad, absolutely. I just think he's being overdrafted above his ceiling as a wide receiver three. Okay, how about a couple of sleepers that tied in, Chris? Uh, these are two guys that are going almost completely undrafted. So um, Hayden Hurst, he should be able to use his size and speed to create mismatches and open throws for quarterback Bryce Young. I can see the young quarterback using him as a safety blanket early in his career. Tight ends have always had success under Frank Reich in all of his prior stops as OC or head coach. So with proven but uninspiring wide receiver options and no true alpha dog on the outside, I think there is volume. It could be reasonable enough to make him a good tight end too for you in a PPR. And then Chiggy Okonkwo. Uh, I'm ready to take a risk on getting Chiggy with it if you can't find another deeper sleeper guy. Week 13 <laughs> through 18 last year, he was a tight end seven overall and had way better stats overall than Traylon Burks in fewer games and while splitting time with Jeff Swain and Austin Hooper at tight end who are both gone. The Titans tossed 122 targets at tight ends last year, and a lot of those are going to Chiggy this year. Like Hurst, solid PPR value, a great backup with upside, it could make a high-end number two or even a low-end number one that's in a weak tight end class after the big stud. I like that. Get cheeky with it. All right. 
A couple of sleeper tight ends I like. Juwan Johnson uh, has already become uh, Derek Carr's favorite target down there in New Orleans, and the fact is, is that his ADP is only 13, so you can take him as a fantasy backup and possibly get fantasy starter numbers. Jake Ferguson's on the rise up ADP charts. Uh, in regular PPR uh, leagues, his ADP is still hanging around 16 or 17, but in the FFPC, it's climbing up around 12, 13, 14 area there. He is going to start for the Cowboys, and he's going to become the, the, the security blanket as well as the guy making the plays down the seam for Dak Prescott. He made a really nice catch in the preseason, so I like Jake Ferguson as a backup or number two. A couple of guys I'm staying away with. Kyle Pitts, uh, I'm sorry, I've been banging the drum on him. That knee is still not 100% healthy. See him limping around. He is uh, running routes, and, and they're using him in, in a limited capacity, I think, because of his knee injury. Uh, and that's not uh, elite uh, tight end fantasy usage, uh, especially when you're being drafted in round three or four. I know he had 1,000 yards in in uh, his rookie season, but that was before his injury. I'm just staying away. And then, like you say, Cole Komet, kind of just a guy. Uh, you know, I, th- I, I believe he did have seven uh, scores last year, but he had a couple of, uh, yeah, I think two or three games with two scores in it, and it was just kind of fluky. And the first half of last season, he hardly did anything. And I think more likely than not, that's what he's going to do most weeks here. You can do better than Cole Komet elsewhere. How about you, Chris? A couple of creepers at tight end you're not crazy about. Yeah, related to your two uh, sleeper guys, I'll start with Dalton Schultz. There's not been a guy in recent memory that was a bigger benefiter from scheme and situation than Dalton Schultz. That Dallas offense featured the tight end. He played with great outside weapons, freed up space. Uh, he had a prolific goal line back, so he got unguarded end zone targets. All of that's gone now. He goes to a bad team with a worse quarterback and a weaker offense. I think he's going to have a steep decline in opportunity and the quality of looks. And so I just don't draft him. Don't draft him based on his name or past performances with that other Texas team because he ain't going to get it. And then Taysom Hill. I mean, he's been a great gadget guy for years. Had weak winning value when he rushes for multiple scores or if he gets the nod as a backup quarterback for several weeks. All of his opportunities are gone. The Saints have three very proven tight ends ahead of him, including one of David Carr's old Raider favorites, Foster Moreau, a quiet signing there. Ahead of him, his minimal PPR value is diminished even more. His goal line needs are reduced because Carr is a better rusher than either of the two predecessors in, in New Orleans, and they dropped some serious coin last year to add rushing TD champ Jamal Williams for hammering things in. And there's two very proven NFL starters in Carr and uh, Jameis Winston going to keep him from ever being asked to go under center. All you have is the occasional gadget play. He's okay as a last-round pick in a 20-team, 20 20-man 20 best ball roster, but otherwise should not be drafted. Yeah, that's the key, best ball, because you never know when he hits. His line's probably going to be like 1-0-1-12-2-0-0-2-15. You'll never know when it happens. Anyway, well, we want to make sure that we talk about draft strategies, some key draft strategies, because most uh, people are going to be drafting this coming weekend uh, and into next week. So, Chris, tell me what uh, some of your key draft strategies are. Well, uh Overall, you kind of I always like to zig when other teams zag. That's where the value lies. I think late-round picks should be high upside, even if they have low floor. And handcuffs are rarely worth the roster spot. A high-risk reward player is usually better. Uh, at quarterback, I think there's about 10 no-brainer starters, so you don't have to be one of the first to grab one. Rushing quarterbacks means there's more guys with a high floor and upside, so you go that way with your number two for sure. A guy like Anthony Richardson, for example. Uh, running backs, bell cows are scarce. So if you can get two in the first three or four rounds, that's good, but it depends on your draft position. But rounds two to four running backs are deeper than most years. So 
Running back three and flex guys are really solid, and they can even be number twos if you load up at the other positions early, which I think is probably a good strategy. Wide receivers, I think they're seven or eight deep at the top and very deep at, at the like, second and third level of wide receivers. So you want to try and get two of the top 15 or so receivers. Very possible to go zero running back successfully and take two receivers with your first two picks. You want to get at least one of those top seven or eight studs early, maybe a couple of running backs, and really heavy on wide receivers in the middle rounds because that's where the value is. Tight end. I think if you don't pay up to get a top five tight end, either in an auction or with draft capital, you can wait a long time because the next five to seven are about even, and few of them have significant upside. And there's probably about another 10 more tight ends with huge upside and very low ADP that are worth a risky zero tight end play or are definitely good guys to have your backup, some of the guys we just talked about. And then defense and kicker should generally be your last two picks. It just doesn't make a lot of sense otherwise. That's kind of the way I look at the overall draft strategy for this year. There you go. One one last thing about defense. The Saints' schedule is ridiculously soft, so uh, you might want to do what, what uh, Rito and I did, and that is wait until the latter uh, part of your draft and uh, after six, seven, eight defenses go grab the Saints. You're probably going to get just as much many points out of them as the other uh, top elite defenses uh, close to it because the schedule for the top guys like uh, Buffalo and the Jets and and uh, 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 Philadelphia, too, uh, is very, very tough, very, very tough. San Francisco's got a pretty easy schedule, they're, but they're going to be the first one to go. <laughs> Someone in your draft is going to take them in round 12, and it's ridiculously early for uh, for a defense. Anyway, thank you for joining us. For Chris uh, Rito, this is Mike Nazrek. We'll see you all next week when we offer, our, that's right, our week one preview with picks to click and flick for your starting lineup. Good night, and good luck to everyone uh, Still drafting, and, uh, you know, let's go. Go football. Yeah. Football. 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 You know, a physical sport. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazareth, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. Join us next time. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Good day, sir.